Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Well, overall, I feel great, you know, um, all the way back to even the free agency. You know, we addressed a lot of issues early with free agents, and and uh, now we, we picked it up in, in here in the draft. And, and and then just speaking about the process, you've heard us talk a lot this weekend about you know, the, the collaboration, the communication involving the staff, um, you know, and, and just really spending a lot of time with these with these players, you know, and, and the board. and. And um, you know, for me, it was uh, it was refreshing to do that and uh, to be a part of it uh, that extensively. I know the coaches felt the same way. Uh, we have, you know, there's uh, accountability there uh, with with the with the board and with uh, you know with Trent and his staff, and and uh, felt uh, the process was really good and really smooth. The first draft under head coach Doug Peterson was a success. Seven draft picks coming here to Jacksonville, and accountability is the key word, I think, there. Welcome into Jaguars Drive Time. Ashlyn Sullivan, Brian Sexton, and John Osier here with you on a Tuesday morning. And it was quite the weekend. It was a long weekend flying back from Vegas here in Jacksonville, but it's always a rewarding weekend, and, and it was something where the Jaguars really needed to get these players in the building, and we're going to talk a lot about it. It, it starts as a really fun weekend. I it mean, does. All the anticipation, sort of like Christmas, that build up through the months of February and March and into April. Um, but it ends with a whimper because by the time you get to the fifth <laughs> round, you're like, whoa, okay, let's get this thing over with. You're right. It's important. They've got to, to continue and carry through the end of the draft and make sure they get the value for those picks. Um, but I, I think I can speak for John. When they traded those two picks oh for a next gosh. year pick, we're like, love it. Yes. Yeah, I, I was torn. When they did that, between ecstasy and elation, because <laughs> it was, it, and I think I think what's important to remember about this draft, it looked to me on day three, like Trent Baalke looked at the draft and said, "I believe there is going to be greater value next year in the draft." Traded out with the f- two six-round picks, or, yep. or I'm, I'm sorry, five and a seven for a fourth next year. It seemed to me pretty clear on day three that he was saying, I don't mind these players, but I believe there will be some value in having a fourth-round pick. Because a fourth-round pick is supposed to be a guy who can potentially start, mm-hmm. get that next year. So, Or it's better leverage moving somewhere up into the second round. Right. It's, just, it's a more valuable pick, obviously. Yeah, and I was on talking to 1010XL yesterday, and they said, you know, it seems like we know so much more about the process of this draft this year. And I really hadn't thought much about that, but it is true. Coach Peterson just talked about the account- accountability I feel like we got such more of an access to this pre-draft process this year, and I'm sure that was intentional, but they weren't trying to say how hard they worked on this draft process this year. Well, I think they did work hard. I mean, I don't think they were saying they were, I don't think they were saying they were mailing it in, but it, uh, Doug did a nice job during the pre-draft luncheon and then after the mm-hmm. draft. I think Trent did too. Uh, of talking about the collaboration. Every time Trent was asked about a pick he made, he said, hey, this was everybody. That was the buzzword. I got that impression from talking to people after the draft that this wasn't a case like with the first-round pick, uh, Trayvon Walker, where Trent came down from on high and said, I am taking this. I mean, it was a collaborative uh, process, and I thought the money quote was the one uh, that we used at the top. Uh, You could hear in Doug's quote that he really hadn't, been a part of a process that brought the coaches in quite as much to this. I think it's what he meant by accountability. Hey, we asked for some of these guys. Now we've got to go have some success with them. The Walker pick, 
I think rightfully has been termed the home run swing, right? Because this guy's upside is, is, was greater than a lot of the players, you know, who were thought to be in that area. You can't take a home run swing unless you, the general manager and, and the coach, are in collaboration. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have taken it by himself. I, I don't believe. No, I agree. He, he had to have Doug, which is why I think Doug came into the post-news conference, on, which I was watching online from Vegas, and his first thought was, hey, we were all in on this one. This is what we believe. Um, the owner asked for transparency. He said he would provide transparency when he made the move last year to change coaches, and we're seeing it all the way through the draft. Mm-hmm. Let's get into big things. Big thing one is extended Cam Robinson, signing his extension yesterday to keep him here in Jacksonville, and this really goes back to the shift we're seeing from Coach Peterson and Trent Baalke of really working to keep good players here in Jacksonville. The front office, and you know, the coaches kind of wanted to keep – you know, some of the staples around just to kind of build around and kind of, you know, started started to form that what we, what we want to ultimately get done here. So, um, I mean, I think it's just a great thing that's keeping guys around. And we brought in kind of homegrown, um, myself, Josh, and uh, whoever else we decided to keep around. Big thing, too, is defense heavy. Five out of seven draft picks went to defense this year, and there were – so many needs going into free agency in the draft, and general manager Trent Baalke feels like he's checking a lot, off, a lot off the list right now. You know, dealing with coach and going through the process with the coaching staff, you know, it's all about developing the best roster, the best 53, and that's how we approach free agency. That's how we approach the draft. Obviously, you have to address needs, and we felt we did that. Uh, we looked at it. You know, at the end of the season, we go through an end of the season review and write down the top needs that we want have on offense, defense, and special teams. And we feel like we did a really good job of addressing those. And we're going to continue to address the needs that we see as we work through the, the offseason program. And finally, big thing three is integrity. This pre-draft process was very different than what we've seen in the past. Owner Shad Khan was in the building a lot. He was at the combine the entire time and all the interviews and the workouts. And when asked about it, he said, yeah, it's pretty clear we need to make a change to how we did this. This has been, you know, very intensive process uh, with uh, really the coaches, with the scouts, viewing film together, a very grueling process uh, where there is integrity in the evaluation. It isn't, I have a bias and just give me the data to, you know, convince myself or other people. And uh, which, you know, led to really, um, you know, how the draft board shook out. I love that. Integrity to the evaluation. That's not the first time he said that. No, you know what I like? Um, When you think about a couple teams who draft well every year, the Steelers, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the Roonies years ago, you know, set the personality of their franchise and how they were going to build a team. And it's been remarkably consistent, you know, since 1969. Um, now you hear about Stephen Biscotti in the war room with the Ravens. And the Ravens just, they, they draft so well every year. It's no wonder they've been so consistent since moving to Baltimore for the last 20 years. That's where ownership comes in. He won't always have to do that. But for the next couple of years, for him to be involved in setting the, the personality of his franchise, the d- direction of the franchise, I, th- I think... I have said I think it's really important that he's involved in every aspect of this franchise to give it that Jaguar way. Yeah. 
Whoever's knocking the studio door, will just let them in. I wonder if you guys can hear this. So. They are tearing down a kitchen on this wall, and it is alarmingly loud, yeah, but it's maybe it's not to our lovely viewers. What was Big Thing 1? Big Thing 1 was I extended. Cameron Robinson, okay, gotcha. congratulations to um, him. This is a topic, and it's an important topic. In in writing that story yesterday, we are talking about Cam. I know he said, hey, it's important. We're starting to keep guys around. He's the first. I mean, uh, you have Dwan Smoot. Uh, Josh Allen, they signed the tour. Uh, the, the extension. Year. But he's, he hasn't been extended yet. I believe they will. Uh, Cam's not really a part of something. He's the forerunner. He's the most tenured guy on the team, short of, of uh, Tyler Shatley. Uh, you have made con- uh, Cam Robinson with this a core piece. Um, you know, I, I like the move. I like the philosophy behind it. But you hope what happens in the next two years, you look back and see Cam Robinson as part of a trend. Because what they're talking about is important. But let's not act as if he's one of many. No. This is the first swoop. This has to start a trend for this team. I think it's very important. It's very important that he plays well and rewards them for it. But it's key that this is not an unusual story. It's been too unusual. You know, and, I, and I, you're totally right. Uh, and that's part of the direction, right? I'm sure the ownership was involved in that, that conversation as well. I think I shared the story the day that they put the franchise tag on him. I grabbed a member of the scouting staff, and I said, why? He's a rising player. I said, really? We think his best football is way in front of him, that he is reaching to new levels every game last year. Um, if you believe that, John, Every rising player has to stay. Mm-hmm. You can't let them. You can't let them Jalen Ramsey you and right. get out of the building if that's the case, or throw a fit like Ngakwe, uh, and 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 not get what he wants. You've got to find a way to get those guys in. Um, I think Cam is a really good player. If he does have his upside, left tackles are hard to find. We've been looking for one since Baselli. Yeah, right. Well, and hopefully everything's right in the building. So. The Ngakwe's and the Ramsey's don't happen. happen. Right. Yeah. Something else to point out, and I, uh, everything's young to me now because I'm old, but Cam's only 26. Yeah. There were guys getting drafted at 23 or 24. Cam's going into his sixth year. So uh, there's a good chance that he does have his, his best football ahead of him. Think about this. When he gets done with this deal, I think it's a three-year deal, he'll be 29. Yeah. Uh, he'll again, still get another one. Math, Shalane, yeah, 26 plus 29. Uh, so he can still be playing a long time and could still uh, – become very wealthy er well and you have <laughs> look you have three offensive tackles and any two in combination you'd feel really good yeah. about right um we assume walker little is is going to compete with juan taylor over on the right side that's two second round picks if you have three tackles that you feel good about good for you yeah right i mean there's been a lot of times around here that you've wondered about both of the starting tackles and now you've got three in competition and for and Walker Little, to that, yeah. And if you're Walker Little, are you okay with that? Are you okay with moving over to the right side and competing for that spot? You better be okay with it. You don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I keep hearing about. I've heard that question. I've also heard. Uh, well, it, if they have uh, Little or Taylor, if one of them doesn't win that job and moves to guard, are they willing to do that? Well, yeah, they want to play. I mean, uh, the top guard on this. The team old man in me. I'm. I'm so tired of. Well, I don't want to do this. They'll do it because yeah. they're football players and they need to be on the field. Well, think about this. Position-wise, the left tackle used to be so much higher paid than the right tackle. Do you, realize, right. do you realize right now, Cam Robinson is making $18 million a year on that three-year deal? The right guard is making $18 million a year on his deal. Yeah. 
right guard, left tackle, I mean, centers. I mean, if you can play at a high level, you're going to get paid. If I'm Juwan Taylor, I think I'd like that $18 million. Sure, I can I'll have it right over. there. If I, if I become an all-pro guard, I'm in. Yeah. What's he going to argue with? His pride is hurt because people are saying you're not a tackle. Okay, you're not a tackle. I'm an $18 million guard. I'll take it. But that press conference, he didn't say that. He said, I'm a left tackle and I'm not moving. Oh, he said right tackle. A right tackle, I'm sorry. Okay, well, he'll move. And a lot's been made of (laughs) that. It's pride, right? It is. That was after the season. It was the day after the season, after a long season. I don't know if you guys uh, know it or not, but last season was kind of taxing. Um, And he he was asked if if he'd be okay with moving to right tackle. He said something, no. Or moving to guard, no, I'm going to move to right and everybody's played it up like it's this line in the sand, He'll like go. he's building up the troops. And no, I mean, let's just see how it plays out. Yeah. Okay, fine. I, well, I guess what I'm saying is, is when you see the money that's there, why would you say no? I certainly wouldn't. Right. I know that much, but I'm not Juwan Taylor, so that's pretty obvious. He'll be fine. Yes, he yeah. will. He will be just fine. And that is big things. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, we're going over Trent Balky's to-do list. What was checked off? What still needs to be done on the Jaguars Digital Network? The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. To lock in your seats, visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We are back, Jaguars drive time, a Tuesday morning post-draft. A lot has been done, a lot has been checked off the to-do list, but some things remain for general manager Trent Baalke, so... We decided to mock up his to-do list and thought, what would be on his desk right now if he had a to-do list? Brian, what are you thinking? Uh, so you want what I, I think he's done or what he needs to do? Both. Uh, okay, well, he, he, he fortified. That's great. Isn't that pretty? Uh, fortified both lines. Um, you know, in free agency, they added Brandon Sheriff. Sheriff? Sheriff. Sheriff. Um, and, and then grabbing Keith Fortner. So now think about it. We talked about the three tackles that you've got. You've got at least two centers. You've got three guards. Um, you, you've you've got numbers of and quality, right? Um, you got a five-time Pro Bowler that you add to the middle of the line. You have fortified the offensive line. Um, new coach coming in. Let's see what they do. But the numbers on the line say they have put great effort into that. On the defensive side, you add Foley Fatukasi, mm-hmm. right? Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Um, and Trayvon Walker to Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson, Harris, Josh Allen, uh, Smoot, right? You now have built size, strength, depth, talent on both lines. And John will tell you, anyone will tell you, that's where you win in the NFL. The quarterback is obviously the linchpin to it all, but you don't do anything unless you can get better. And they got a lot better up front this offseason. Um, now do you want me to tell you what I think they yeah. still need to do? I think you have to identify the playmakers, right? Who are those people who are going to be – I mean, you, you go, well, clearly they've already identified Christian Kirk, Right. Um, so how do these, how do the, the, how, where's the pecking order? Who's one, two, three, you know, you, you, that's something the coaches are going to figure out now in, in when they get these guys on the field, how do the tight ends roll into it? Where are you at running back? Who's going to do what? Um, and that's a process that comes in time and they may be looking for more guys as we go along here. They've got some playmakers. They've got to identify more and into the future, Next year, you go into the draft saying, I, I, I got to have that big play receiver. Mm-hmm. I got to find that guy. Right? Yeah. And if it wasn't there this year, it wasn't there this year. And right. That's that. Right. John, what do you My think? My direction is relatively the same. Um, 
I think it's important to realize I got so many questions about why they didn't do this with the draft, why they didn't do this with the draft. Well, the reality is, in, in order to worry about next year, you had to take free agency and the draft. I think they revamped the run defense, and I know the response to this is always, well, it's a passing league. Who cares about the run defense? When you play run defense the way this team has played it the last three or four years, it got a little better last year at times, but there were still times where they were, you know, they would get gashed. You, I, I don't know if just stopping the run means you're going to win. I do know that not stopping the run means you're going to lose. Yep. So they had to get that fixed. It feels like they did that with Brian's boy, Fadakasi, right? Yeah. Is that right? Good yeah. name. You did too. Okay. And <laughs> Trayvon Walker helps that. The two linebackers help that. You can't look at this roster and think it's not a significantly better front seven yeah. against the run right. than it was uh, three or four days ago. That, to me – is indication they felt like they needed that building block first. Once we get that building block, let's see where we go from there. You know, if you can't stop Jonathan Taylor, then you don't make, you know, 15-year veteran Matt Ryan, who wasn't that good here for the Falcons last year, you don't make him beat you, yeah. right? Jonathan right. Taylor beats you. Matt Ryan can just hand off and just – you have to do that. Right, now you got to do the rest too. Well, no but doubt. if you don't do that, teams will never do anything else. In other words, I don't think Matt Ryan can beat you. Right, but Jonathan Taylor can. Yeah, and how many games last year was at the end of the first quarter, and you just saw them pounding, yeah. pounding, pounding. You thought they they don't have a chance yeah. because they, it was clear from the very start they couldn't stop it, and the other team saw that very clearly. Most is the answer to your question. Most. Most. I didn't want to go there, but you went there <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> so what do they still need to do? I think this is basically the same concept as Brian, and I think if you're looking at this situation, you can't help but go this direction. Um, they need to figure out now they've got their pieces on the offensive line where are those pieces going to fit. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's really about now. They've got pieces of wide receiver. They have pieces of running back. They have pieces all over the place. How are these guys going to actually fit? I think Luke Fortner probably starts at center relatively soon. Uh, but you've got to figure that out. Is it him or Shatley? Is, is it Walker Little or Jawan Taylor? Uh, do one of those guys move into guard or is it Ben Barch? So mm -hmm. you feel like I kept talking all weekend, they've got their eight, but I'm not sure where those eight are going to fit. So I think that's what's next. That's what Trent Baalke talked about in all the press conferences. Yeah. Now we've got the players. Now the coaches have to figure out how to use them. Actually, I, and this may seem like a stretch, but I think they've got nine. I mean, I think Will Richardson is a valuable reserve. Right. I think he's a guy that could play inside or outside. Imagine nine offensive. I just meant eight because usually it's. Oh, no, you're right. That's how that's many you have active. But yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is. And they have nine who are okay. You talk about quality and depth. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't recall a time when the Jaguars had this many guys that you could say, if we have to play with him, we're, we're okay. okay. Yeah. Is Luke Fortner drafted high enough to take Shatley's starting job? Because I know Shatley was talking about that in his extension and talking about if they bring a draft pick in, I'm ready to compete. And we had confidence when Shatley got his extension. That's your starting center. And didn't bat an eye about it. Well, I don't think you, you say, well, we took him in the third round. So he's got to start right away. Um, if he comes in and shows what they saw at Kentucky, and remember that the scouting report I got on him was yeah. they ran a very complex blocking scheme in the ground attack. And so this is a smart kid. Mm -hmm. He's a little older. He's 24. Um, you know, if he comes in and shows greater strength and ability, and he does have the advantage this year with a new coaching staff. It's all new. It's not like Shatley has five years in the same system Very in front true. of him. Yeah. Now, he does have eight years as a pro in front of him, but I, I, I don't think you say, well, he's a third-round pick. He's going to start on day one. But he might. Well, to answer your question, Shalana, they absolutely drafted him to start for five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that five years is, is going to start on opening day, but you don't draft – 
an interior offensive lineman with the first pick of the third mm-hmm. round, which means he's one of the t- he, he was number sixty five overall. Yeah. You draft interior offensive lineman there, they drafted Linder ninety fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brad Meester was a second round. He's pick. here to be a long term starter. Brad Meester was a second round pick um, out of Northern Iowa, long term starter. AJ Can right yeah. wasn't a an All Pro level guard. But he started for you for five years here, and he was a third-round pick as well. So yeah, it's I mean, a premium pick. Yeah, yeah, those are starters. All right, let's go to my to-do list coming up for Trent Balky. A lot to discuss here on Jaguars Drive Time. Check additions to the linebacker room. We're going to talk about that more in the next segment. But I feel like you are set there in that room as of now. And and this is something I wanted to bring up. Continues to make puns and press conferences. Not check, but getting close. I had so many people say, wow, Trent Balky, man, he was pretty funny. Wow, he's so relaxed. Wow, he's much more approachable. Yeah, it's post the draft. He's way past mm-hmm. his stressful area. And I don't think it goes unnoticed that Trent Balky is making an effort to improve this image of, of especially on Twitter and social media. It's going noticed that he is becoming much more approachable in his media conferences. And this was a notable topic this weekend. Look, he's in his 14th or 15th month as a general manager here. Um, I don't know how it's going to play out, but he took over as a first-year general manager and somehow everything that's happened has sort of got put on him and you forget what an absolute train wreck it was um i can't really put a finger as to why there was some other reason that that was going on (laughs) and i just can't remember so we'll move on but the point is uh i don't know about san francisco i don't know about anything else i do know that in the context of this 13 or 14 months, you're really just getting started in terms of how your legacy, how your building will be judged. Uh, so far, you know, if you just look at what he's done here, uh, no reason not to think that the job is being done well and that he's a decent guy in terms of what we've seen. Yeah. So uh, people may have read the story of Marty Miller, the Jaguar scout that was posted on the website uh, in February when his brother, Matt, who was a longtime college quarterback, passed away of cancer at an early age. I know we posted it. Vahe Gregorian, who I think you know, Mm -hmm. wrote it. Um, And Marty's a longtime scout here and a good friend. And Marty's had a rough go of it. You know, father was a longtime GM and died last year. And then his brother and Marty deals with a a nervous system disorder. And um, Marty and I had a long conversation. He said, Trent treats him amazing uh, and treats him really well. And so I said to Trent, hey, thanks. And Trent and I had the longest conversation we've had. I guess the point I'm trying to make is to, is to go off on this, is that the people who work for him think very highly of him, mm-hmm. right? The people in this building don't know about San Francisco, don't know about the Jets where he was before. But if all we can do is judge the people that we know that talk to him, um, Marty Miller, I hold him in the highest regard. And Marty swears that this is a good guy who's doing a good job. So I, um, I left our little interaction after um, – Saturday night, really encouraged about the future of this thing. And, and it's easy to judge people that you only see through a camera lens. Right. It's so easy, so easy, so easy to take things that you may have read somewhere else. Um, but people that I trust, and I just named him publicly, <laughs> right, because the story was on the website, raved about him. Raved. Didn't just say, oh, he's a good guy. Raved about him. Yes. So, and I, will I think it's worth pointing out because he took so much heat. Gosh. Yeah. So much heat. And as John said, it was piled on him, you know, justly or unjustly. And um, 
it was a really, really strong endorsement. Yes, and I will go as far as to say the people in the building who work for you are more important than the people on Twitter, and I know you'll retweet that. Uh, no, I don't have Twitter. <laughs> the, but the people who the people who know are, are the people who work with you, not the people who watch you. Exactly, and That's that why is you're in our trouble on this show, Sexton. <laughs> Because we can say whatever we want about you on Twitter. Yeah, you can, because I don't care. <laughs> and that is our to-do list for Trent Balkan. When we come back, we're breaking down the new additions to the linebacker room and where it stands as of now on the Jaguars Digital Network. You will not believe what Daly's Place has in store for you this year. Coming up is Tim McGraw this Thursday, the Lumineers, Dave Matthews Band, Keith Urban, and much more. For a full list of shows and to get tickets, visit dailysplace.com. We are back, Jaguars. Drive time, a lot of additions to this linebacker room, so we thought we'd have to break it down, show you this list of linebackers, and where the heck are they going to play? How is this going to work? Because... The great thing is, Brian, you now have some options here. Yeah, you have a lot of options. What I think is interesting um, is that they have Trayvon Walker listed as an outside linebacker, right? And there was conversation in the press conference about, you know, him learning one position. Um, But an analyst in Vegas told me, don't be surprised if they don't try to use him like the Cowboys used Micah Parsons, putting him in a lot of different situations. Of course, I think that's what they did at Georgia from my limited experience with the Bulldogs watching them last year. He made plays all over the field. Um, and then, obviously, I had the interaction with Devin Lloyd in, in Vegas and thought, <laughs> did you guys see him when he was here? You obviously did. He's tall and broad shoulders and long arms. and big. I mean, he just looks like a modern linebacker. Yeah. Now you got these two guys there. It's an exciting room. I'm, I'm really eager to see them both on the field. They will both, I think, be day one starters. The – Lynchpin, that's the wrong word, but the key to this class will be it's clear the Jaguars looked at this and said, we want three linebackers in Muma, Walker, and Lloyd, who, when you look at it and you're trying to break down their role, the honest answer right now is, I don't know what their roles will be. Sure. Because they're all versatile players. Uh, Bucky Brooks, who did a great job with their draft coverage all weekend, talked about all three of them as to use the word we teased him about all weekend, the Swiss Army Knife guy. Uh, they can all do different things. They're going to bring Walker in and have him focused outside linebackers so that he is focused on one area. But the whole key to this is versatile players who can do a lot of different things in what is supposed to be a versatile defense. Uh, that goes against the grain a little bit from what you think rookies are capable of. In the long term, you wonder if in a year or two, when these guys all get up to speed, you might look back at this draft and say, these three guys are what enabled them to start playing defense the way Caldwell wanted to do it. Uh, I don't want to say gamble. Uh, We've got to see it play out. It's going to be fascinating because all three of these guys have such versatile roles and versatile abilities. You know, you have um, Mike Caldwell who came up underneath Todd Bowles, right? And Bowles is obviously one of the pedigree defensive minds. I'm really intrigued by all these guys that they've added, right? I mean, Fatukasi up front and Foyer, Aluakon. Aluakon has still got to work on that. With Walker and Muma and Lloyd and um, the the additions in the secondary. I mean, they just, they have really increased the talent level and they've given them a guy that I think is a bright defensive mind 
it'll be fun to see how quickly he can bring this group together. Oh, he's got to be so excited. We talked to him a little bit after the draft, and he's a more reserved guy. So I said, how excited are you? He goes, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I was like, man, I was looking for more. Remember, <laughs> they added all those guys in 17. You know, you bring in um, – The big names, yeah. You bring in Calais, and you bring in um, – uh, AJ, Boye, yeah. and, and they brought a lot of guys in, and it clicked. It just worked quickly. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it can work that quickly here. I'm curious with Muma, and they were talking about when we talked about him after the draft, the, you know, the green dot, the play caller, the communicator, that's what he's known for. Really smart guy. I'm curious how he fits into this because people were saying, okay, well, yeah, he's going to be your starter. And I have hesitancies to say that he's going to be a starter at this point. Well, it's I think it goes back to – when you're analyzing the draft, everybody wants to print out the depth charts. A printer slim is uh, you, you know, people print things. <laughs> a printer is still a very modern day. Every day. It's, it's, uh, um, that was a bad one. But everybody wants to print out the depth chart and say he's going to fit in here and he's going to play 82 plays and he's going to play every play. <laughs> that is what I want. That's and, what I want now. But that's not how it works. <laughs> when the reality is, especially in this scheme, you need 15 or 16 guys who can all play and do it and who can all start if all you have are 11 and all of a sudden you're playing two or three different packages they're going to expose that 13th or 14th guy if he can't play i think with mamuma and with aluacon 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 i'm sorry uh with those two guys you have two guys who can wear the dot uh that's what you want because if one gets hurt you need another one who can do it mm-hmm. i don't know if we know if moon is going to start if he's going to play 34 plays a game if he's going to play 42 but i think you've got multiple guys at, at the linebacker position who can play all these schemes and i know we'll be concerned about the depth chart yes but i think when you're watching the game yes. you're not going to have a real feel for who started and who didn't because they're all going to be playing roles. You're old enough to remember the Cowboys. Oh, boy. Um, pre- <laughs> printers. I'm old enough to remember printers. Pre-salary cap era. Remember the Cowboys were stacked on defense. And and when free agency came around, it, it robbed them of a lot of guys. They had so many guys. And that was um, Dave Wanstatt. He just rolled guys in. It didn't yeah. matter who started. They had you know five cornerbacks and four safeties and linebackers, more than you could count. And it just seemed like, wow, these Cowboys are ridiculously talented. Well, you don't see that in this game much because free agency takes guys away. The salary cap limits keeping them. So if you find a bunch of rookies, and, and you know, right now find a starting spot for Muma. Where? Where's he going to start? Mm-hmm. Right? You bring in a Lua Cup. Where's he going to start? Um, but if you can roll him in and take a guy off the field in certain situations and packages, it really becomes interesting. And, and Mike Caldwell, kind of like Mike Smith used to do here back in the day, he'll be up all night on Tuesday coming up with a game plan and maximizing each player in each matchup that he's got. Better him than me. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've got to, hey, look, these guys have to come in. Lloyd and Moom have got to come in, and they've got to prove it. But if they're as talented as they're expected to be, man, does Mike Caldwell have a lot of versatility yes. in his game plan. Yes. It's a game of packages and schemes. It's not the 1970s where it's just a depth chart. To me, Muma is a starter, yeah. and Lloyd is a starter. Because you start 14 or 15 guys on each side of the Absolutely. ball. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. We asked Mike Cobble, you know, how much different is your job right now? You came in and now you have free agency in the draft and your defense looks totally different, not to mention the departures. A, a Miles Jack, for example, he's like, yeah, but it's a good problem to have yeah. for sure. Yeah. And think about the turnover on this defense. I believe from 2019 or 20, Josh Allen, the last key guy mm-hmm. remaining, I believe from the 2019 team, so it's or 2020, whatever it is. Whatever it is. It's been a remarkable turnover yeah. in terms of personnel. 
with Josh really being the only core player. It's been left. A lot going you know, on. could you just throw this out too? Um, we've talked about all these guys and and, and Foley and um, the addition of Trayvon, but you know, you, you, Roy Robertson Harris played pretty big at times last year yeah. and was really good against the run. And, and Malcolm Brown is a veteran guy, and now you're rolling him in and giving him, you know, 15 or 20 targeted snaps per game. He'll be much better in that role. This is a defense that has legitimate aspirations for incredible growth this year. Yes, they should Big be time much, much, much better. Yes, they will. Fingers crossed. Coming back on, coming up on Jaguars Drive Time. Some closing thoughts here on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time Tuesday, brought to you by Jet Home Loans. A much slower week than it was last week, and I think that is a blessing for all. But the Huddle Up podcast is back with Bucky Brooks. He's not tired of you yet, even though he worked with you all weekend. Oh, he's exhausted of me, but he's, <laughs> he's not exhausted of the draft. And, again, I can't say enough about Bucky's coverage over the last awesome. weekend. And uh, it'll be one final Huddle Up looking back on the draft. So uh, I'll be curious uh, what he has to say. And I have to remind people, because I had someone ask me the other day, so why is Bucky Brooks come and work with the Jaguars? He was a key part of that 96 team that had that late run into the playoffs that John and I covered. Uh, he was key on special teams and nickel and dime packages. People like, he played here? Yes. Yes. Bucky Brooks was here in 96 it all makes and 97. Sense. Yes. He did. And he is a really super knowledgeable football mind. He really is. We were watching the draft, and it was the fifth round. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy. And he plays here, and he does this. And I'm like, well, you know, he went into scouting, and he, he, worked in a, he worked in a couple of different places as a scout before getting into the media side. So yeah. he knows it, and he loves it. And more importantly, uh, of all the franchises, the Raiders, the Packers, the places that he played, Kansas City, um, he considers Jacksonville his home. Yes. And we're all grateful that he did. Very incredibly knowledgeable, very cool football mind. On Thursday, Jaguars Happy Hour, myself and Jeff Logman are going to have a defensive coach on to talk about these five additions. That'll be fun. And then rookie minicamp is next weekend. Back big on day the football. for you, uh, stepping into Shadrick's shoes. Uh, yes, it is a very There's large big day. Shoes to fill. It really is. All and right. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we do okay. So root for me, fellas. You will be fine. We're right, confident in you. Thank you very much. When we come back, we don't come back. This is the end of the show. <laughs> you already screwed it up. I already screwed it up. Good luck on Thursday. The shoes to fill. We'll see you next week on Jaguars Drive Time. <laughs>